Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. I'm like a co-host today. Why like a co-host? Well, I'm with you in this, helping you. What are you normally? Well, I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> well, joining me today is Jeff Glossy. Makes me think, well, yeah, I guess I am normally here now. Like, I'm not just here this week. I'll probably be here next week, too, and the week after with you in it. I wouldn't miss this, Jay, for the world. You wouldn't miss this. Okay, so are you saying you want an upgrade in a title? I would like to be assistant to the co-host. to the co-host manager. Regional manager. (laughs) All right, so what, what, like, I'm trying to go with a better way, because I usually, with Robbie, I would say joining me, but maybe, yeah, like, um, oh, how about this? All right, let's try this again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today, per usual is my co-host, Jeff Clossy. Hey, Jay, how's it going? Does that, is that better? I like that. Does yeah. that feel better? Yeah. I feel did. more permanent? Yeah. It makes me wonder, and I think people get so confused, is he going to be here next week with you? And then now it's clear. Do we really ever Lord know? willing, I will be here. I mean, Lord willing, yes. <laughs> but we just you just don't ever know. It is such a beautiful day today. Yeah. I hope everyone has had a chance to at least peek their head out a little oh bit. Oh my gosh. It's also the annual, my favorite, one of my favorite Wisconsinisms. What's that? Are so, we going to, we're going to pay for this? I haven't heard that yet. No, not usually, usually <laughs> the first nice days of spring. That's what you get in the fall, like late, late yeah. fall, nice days. You get the, oh, we're going to pay for it. The karma. It's not going to, it's not going to last long. Weather karma. And, uh. <laughs> But this time I get the, um, I either get the, well, you know, it's about time or, uh, yeah, finally some kind of like, it's about time or finally is usually the spring. Cause we, you can't with a straight face say, well, it won't last long, even though we know next week it's going to be colder or whatever it, cause you know, we're heading in, we're heading towards warmer weather and, um, so usually it's either something about finally it's about time or something about, um, yeah, we got it. We got a little reprieve here before the mosquitoes all come out. <laughs> they're not out yet, but there was something crawling on my dog that I was like, I you, you know a what? Tick. Yeah, it was a tick. And I just didn't want to say the word tick. Oh, Jay. dude, I, but yeah, so they're out, but. It is just glorious. It's fun how every year I've lived in Wisconsin almost my whole life. You know, there are a few years in Canada and a few years in Illinois, but this part of Wisconsin, it's like winter is long enough and usually intense enough that you can almost forget that this is possible. And it is a fun thing to feel it again, to see everyone out and about and fishing and all the things. Yesterday on my day off, I saw a bald eagle landing on a tree close to me. And then shortly after that, a bunch of, um, oh, what, what are they? The big white birds, not seagulls. Pigeons. Just went blank. Pelicans oh. flying over, which I didn't even know that pelicans existed up here until we moved here. It was kind of a, I don't know if that's a new thing or an old thing that came back, but a bunch of pelicans flying. It was just beautiful. I had baseball. Oh, that's fun. The high school started their, kicked off their season yesterday, opening day. Oh, that's awesome. And it was a it was a beautiful day. Although I will say this, the first game was at 10 a.m. Um, and with knowing what the temperature was going to be, it was supposed to be this beautiful day, I got to the game. Uh, it was at Okano. So it was, you know, I drove to the game. And I get there, 
and I step out of my car and it is cloudy and windy and it feels cold. And I think you dummy, you have lived here for how long and you got suckered into this. You know, better, you know, that even if it's going to be a high in the sixties, you have to be prepared. Like you should have had, a, I didn't have a coat. And I didn't have, oh, and I Jay. also forgot a lawn chair. So oh, like boy. for a baseball game and I'm like, what in the world is wrong with you? <laughs> then, But fortunately, since it was later in the morning, so then it kept getting warmer. And by, by the second game, it was, it was beautiful. Like yeah, the sun the, came out and it was just gorgeous. It's but, the winds coming from the bay too. It, it yeah. is pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like that doesn't need, we don't need to be negative about it, but no. you have to be realistic and yep. say, yeah, in the spring, you still gotta, you gotta bring a coat. You gotta be ready in case that the sun goes under and that wind picks up and then it'll, it'll feel chilly again. But man, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful day yesterday and today. I'm so thankful so for be it. 70 today, 75 tomorrow. Wow. That's amazing. I, I'm going to have to make sure my office windows open all day. It feels so I nice know, to have finally, fresh air. Yeah, oh, and we finally get to stop having everybody whine about how cold it is in the office. <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing. That's everybody. Everybody's got their space heaters out. We can stop having the space heaters. It's a it's a glorious time of year. It is. All right. Well, Jay, speaking of uh, glorious time of year, it is. It's we're in Easter season. Yeah. And I don't know. I just a couple of reflection points on this weekend. I don't know if you're up for that, Jay. But you know, I was really looking forward to our Good Friday time mm-hmm. together, our Good mm-hmm. Friday worship. And I have to say, you know, we did basically essentially what we did the year before where we read scripture, um, from John 18 and 19 and together and sung and, you know, songs together. It was just so powerful again for me personally. And, and I know for many who stayed around and prayed afterwards, it was as well. I'm curious how, how, what, how that was for you, that good Friday worship. It was great. I mean, I just, what I love about it is the simplicity of it. And I had several people tell me, afterwards or the next day that it was the most impactful service um that they've had in a long time and and then also from younger people like we had teenagers and kids saying how impactful it was and i i wonder okay do we ever do we stop and realize okay so what we did there was we took communion we read scripture we prayed and we sang mm-hmm. i mean the simplicity of what we did. And I think it's amazing. We sometimes forget the power that is in just reading scripture. And that, and that really was what I was trying to do in the sermon this weekend was just say, I'm just going to read a lot of scripture with the context of knowing this is all true. And I think, um, that's what, that's, what's powerful. That's what's moving is just to realize like, that's why it's always so amazing to me when people we crave other authors writing books about all kinds of topics. And, you know, we could talk about the resurrection, about heaven. That's a, that's like a number one on the list is people want these extra biblical sources. And I think often if we really believed what scripture said and understood what scripture said about any of these things, we would realize like, this is the most amazing thing. There's nothing, what could anybody say that would be more incredible than what God has chosen to reveal. Now I'm not I'm not anti books. That's not my point. But it is a reminder that coming back to the simplest of things is typically the most powerful. It was. And I think being in it together is is part of what made make for me what made it so powerful. Because I could have just, 
you know, read those passages myself on my couch. Yes. And Great point. it would have still been meaningful, yes. you know, but, but being together in the room and I think the pace at which we, we worshiped as well was, it wasn't supposed to be super fast, efficient. It just was powerful. Um, and then leading into Sunday for our, uh, worship, quite a contrast in, you know, the, if you had, if you weren't up for the early time, like the six thirty um, sunrise service, you might not have realized how dense the fog was coming in. It was quite, to me, a picture yes. of what Jesus does um, when he pierces through the darkness with his light because it was very dense fog driving into church that morning um, to the point where you're like, I hope the deer are not in the road, right, because it was that bad. Hopefully they weren't coming to the Easter sunrise service. Yeah, right. Uh, and then by the time 9.30 rolled around, it was like, all right, Easter is here, and and it was so bright. It was a beautiful morning. But that picture to me, for my own soul, of the fog and driving through it to get here is so much of what's happening with what Jesus did. The yeah. darkness couldn't overcome him, the fog, all of that. The, anything that obscured the light could not overcome him. And I, I don't want to skip past what you said about the Good Friday service and and really about Resurrection Sunday, on uh, the service we had on Sunday. I that the power of being together in it, because you're right, you can read John 18 and 19 on your own, but we forget too that that's not how the early church read scripture. They read it together. And that's part of the powerful testimony because not only, you know, if you've ever gotten a situation, and again, we just like we love books, encourage you to read books. Um, we also love personal time in scripture. Like it's an incredible gift that we have the printing press and that the Bible is so easily accessible to us by all means, like spend time just with the Lord and with scripture. But we need to remember that the primary way that they heard scripture was in community. And you think about all the beauty of that, that one, like if you're in a discussion, you can help one another in our understanding. So that is a very clear, um, thing that an advantage that many of us would say like, Oh, well, if you have a bunch of people, then you can ask questions. But I think there's just something so powerful to having something read and looking around the room and all saying like, yes, we all testify together that that is true. And that is really powerful when you see different people and the stories that they represent and the, you know, the walks of life that they come from and to see the unity of that, that is really powerful. And, and it was exciting. Like, so yeah, Good Friday was incredible. That was that was the biggest Good Friday service we've ever had since I've been here. Wow. Yeah, I noticed that there were quite a few. I didn't know that. but Yeah, and so I was really amazed by that. And you know me, we're, we're, not, we're not numbers oriented at all, um, but there it is like, it's fun when that happens and yes. you realize, man, this was a point that a lot of people um, made a point to be here and it was really impactful. And then Sunday... Um, yeah, it was really full. It was funny on uh, the sunrise service that at like 625, I was talking to somebody and looking around going, I think there's like 10 people in here. Mm -hmm. And then, but I told them cause they said, they're like, oh man, I, I expected there to be more people. And I was like, don't worry, give it, give it another five, six minutes. And, and sure enough, it was, it was a good crowd that came in at the sunrise service. Yeah, there were a good handful. And it's interesting that I think the fog actually made people even later than they would have been. Probably. Because it did take a lot longer. Yeah, it was so bad. Yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, it was great. Both both services were. And if you're wondering, someone asked me this after 
I think it was after the first one. If you're wondering if the services themselves were different, um, they were different just because of who was there, but this, the whole structure of the service was the same. So if you came to that early one, um, it, we didn't do it totally differently at all for the 930. No, and but again, that point right there is so critical that I like that you answered it with, well, yeah, it was different because it was completely different people there. Yes. And again, we when you think of a service as a thing I go and I um, consume then it's all about the elements that are up there. And so what they want to know is, well, were they the same songs? Was it the same structure? Was the sermon the same? And when I first got here, I remember people saying that all the time of, oh, well, it's, uh, you know, like I don't, I don't preach identical sermons. They're close. Like it's same topic, same points usually, same notes. I just, it just doesn't always play out the same way. And, but what you realize, like, But what makes it different is the people that you're worshiping with. We we still struggle so much to understand the impact that the people around you have and how it's such a unique experience to be physically present with the people of God and the Spirit of God is moving through his people, and that's just going to make for a completely different— you can have you do everything the same. I could verbatim share the same sermon, and it's not going to be the same— it's not going to feel like the same service. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a, that's a really important thing. Cause we are, we worship God, but we're worshiping him together and we're united in that together. Yeah. And it's a beautiful picture. I mean, the, the, just to see so many here as well. And, and we still had quite a few people that are, are online because for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons, they just aren't able to be here in person. And, it is a gift that that we have the ability now to to still be together, even when a person is homebound or there's some reason they can't be here physically. And and I hope and pray that they also got to experience that joy of just celebrating the resurrection together. Yeah, yeah. My mind this morning, Jay. I don't know where yours is, but I want to. I guess I would love to talk for at least a few minutes about the implications of the resurrection. You know, we. Our church, like our church background, our church stream that we're in, like a Baptist stream, we don't talk a lot about the church calendar. We really don't. Um, you know, we did talk Probably about— a high percentage of people that don't even know there is such a thing as a church calendar. Yeah, so so the highlights, right, that everyone seems to know about, even if you're not part of a church, are Christmas and Easter, right? Those are um, on the church calendar, and, and they are high points in the liturgical year. But— uh, Easter is really the highest point. It's interesting. Culturally, it's not. So culturally, right. things are open by and large. Yes, on Sunday, they're open uh, at least a bit. And uh, people don't get the Monday after off or anything usually. Um, but Easter is the high point for us in the resurrection. It is like the thing that if we're missing, this whole thing that we are following Jesus with falls apart. And Paul even says that. Um, if there was no resurrection, then we are to be pitied above all people. But I guess what I want to just encourage people in and what I'm trying to encourage myself in is to linger in this now. So Easter happened, yes. We had Resurrection Sunday on Easter. But now is a season, if you were to pull out um, the church calendar, which you can, I could show you the one that's in my office if, if anyone would like to see that. But if you would pull out a lectionary of readings, we are now in the Easter season for this whole month, all the way until we get to um, Pentecost in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which is like the beginning, like second week of May, 
roughly. And I think it's a really good practice just to let, to be in this season and not just to feel like, all right, we did that. Now let's move on because the implications, especially of the resurrection for our life in Christ now, we will never get to the end of our whole life. And I don't think even into eternity of what God did there and and how the world was changed forever at the resurrection. So I guess the first thing I want to talk about is just let's linger in this. Let's stay here and remember what Jesus accomplished, what God accomplished in Christ when he was raised from the dead on that day that affects everything about today as well. Yeah, I was lingering. I know. I'm was there a question thinking. there, or are you just like hoping that I... You're Do you usually, think... Used to, well, here's my question for you. used to me you. just jumping in randomly anyway. Here's my question for you, Jay. I'm failing. Do you, you find in yourself... So I'm having to be intentional with myself to keep myself in this season and not just to, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Do you find in yourself that that's natural for you to linger in it, or do you have to be intentional? And and what have you learned about, if you linger in it, what could be the benefit of that? Yeah, I well, so here's what's so strange to me about just the idea of lingering in it is that every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. Amen. So so there's part of me with Easter that I always feel kind of weird about. It's with Christmas, we don't we don't always um, spend every week talking about the incarnation, though we should. Like I just was jotting down as you're thinking about the you, you talked about those the big ones are Christmas and Easter. But then I would say Pentecost. I mean, when you think about, mm-hmm. okay, what is the core of the faith of Christianity? It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then our continuing of his life, like as his body. And those are marked by, you know, the life that is marked by the Christmas, you know, the incarnation, so which we celebrate most specifically at Christmas, the death, which we Holy Week leads up to that, and the resurrection, obviously Easter, and then Pentecost, which I feel like is way under under celebrated or recognized in the American church, at least, at least in in like Baptist and evangelical, you know, non charismatic evangelical circles. I was I've never been a part of a really charismatic church, so I don't know if they. I, I would assume that maybe they make a bigger deal like about on that Pentecost. Sunday. You mean? Yeah, yeah. but I yeah. don't know, and. But that is the sending, right? Like, so Pentecost is the mark of, of and being empowered in the Holy Spirit, which means that now we continue the life of Jesus. So, like, when you think about this theological following, that it's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we identify with the death so that we can, in the power of the resurrection, live the life of Christ. So that life, death, resurrection is also now for us, it's just in a different order. Jesus, who was able to live the perfect life, so then he was able to die and be the propitiation for sins and be raised like in, in new life um, out in his own power. Well, now that is all, the power is given to us. It's almost like this inverse, like it's, we die with Christ and then are raised to walk in newness of life. So we are raised in power to walk in the life of Jesus. So it's not completely inversed. It's like, you know, for Jesus, it's life, death, resurrection. For us, it's death, resurrection, life. And so that mirror kind of effect um, is what I think like 
the entire year is supposed to always be. And as we have liturgy every Sunday, we talk about those things. So um, we talk, uh, we follow kind of the, the, the gospel narrative um, of, and typically that is the either creation or the life, um, you know, the nature of God, the, the incarnation of Jesus, and then the redemption, like our, our confession for sin, which is participating um, in the death of, of Christ, where we, we confess our sin and, and seek forgiveness. And then the redemption, the, the resurrection piece of being redeemed and then resurrected. Um, and, then, and then we commission. So often the sermon is really about how do you walk in the power? How do you walk in that new life? And then we commission people, like we send people. We, we talk about it as a benediction or a blessing, but it's also a commissioning and ascending in the power of the Spirit to go live the life that has been secured for you. So so that's, I guess, when you ask me, like, how do you, like, what are the practical implications? Well, I think the practical implications, I think what would be good is that if we, if we recognize that every Sunday and just realize this is the rhythm of our life, that we remember the life, death, and resurrection of, the, of Jesus so that we can die, be raised in power, and live that life. Like if we could just always grasp that. Then when we have these seasons, you spend time really lingering in a particular aspect of that, which is good. It's like when on Good Friday when we say, you know, hey, we know Sunday is coming. We know the resurrection is coming. And so we are resurrection people. But that doesn't mean it's not good on you know one evening to sit there and just really consider the death of Christ which then takes us to a place where we have to consider the depth of our sin and we have to consider you know what what does that actually mean what was the cost of um to reconcile to be reconciled back to God that is good to kind of linger in and what's interesting in the Christian calendar is you only linger in it for a couple of days mm-hmm. it's really like one evening so that's not that's not the mark that's not supposed to be the mark of Christian life is constantly just going back to that without the hope of the resurrection. So then when you talk about like, well, what does it look like to linger in the resurrection? Well, I would say um, it's lingering in the, the power and the victory, which is what we're trying to point out and realizing that I'm not stuck in this old way, that there's power that allows me to live in a, in a different way. And it's secured by that. Like you, you see it and say, okay, Jesus rose, Jesus rose from the dead. The same spirit that empowered that now dwells in me to empower me to live a new life. It, yeah, it's, it's a whole, a whole new way of existing right now. Not just when, you know, someday we die, um, has been opened up for us. Jesus has made available resurrection life right now. And I think to me, the hope that that fills that ought to fill our hearts with, and that I think the spirit can cause to fill our hearts as we linger on it really is life changing that the old ways. So everything that we as human beings become enslaved to in fear, right? So sin obviously, but then death and all the decay that happens around us in the world and even to our own bodies right now, you know, we're still kind of in the middle of history here. And we still experience that. All of that has been actually dealt with once and for all in Jesus on the cross. And in his resurrection, he shows us that that realm. So I think Colossians 1 says, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. 
And the idea that out of this resurrection comes a worldwide kingdom that is now existing on earth. And when Jesus in Matthew 28 says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he gives the great commission, right, to make disciples of him. That's, that's the life we now get to live in him. I think it's just, it's profound. And I think it's also worth saying, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about, Jay, I sent you a message about this earlier today, is just how radically different Jesus's conception of, I guess our Christian conception of what the afterlife is, is radically different than what a lot of people would assume it is. And what I mean is, Sometimes when people in general, not necessarily people in the church, but just in general, talk about afterlife, they're imagining some sort of non-physical kind of quote-unquote spiritual existence where the part of them that isn't contained in their body continues on forever and ever, but they're not living in the way that we are right now. And that is not the conception that Jesus proclaimed, that his apostles proclaimed, that is not what they believed about the afterlife. And Jesus's life being resurrected is, is our biggest example of what they believed. So he wasn't just resuscitated, meaning brought back to his mortal existence where he would someday die again. He was resurrected, given a whole new life. And the body was different that he had. Like he was a- actually able to somehow be visible and then invisible to them. Mm-hmm. in different moments it was like a new a new kind of physicality but definitely physical yeah he still ate breakfast yeah he did but it was not made of the same stuff that our current bodies right. are but definitely bodily he was able to be in a place at a time and to me the best sentence i've heard um, one theologian said is that to describe what we what we do believe about afterlife is that we believe in life after life after death hmm. and that is such a more grand vision of what God is doing with his universe and with his creation that, yeah, when, when a person goes and and dies, so like my mom died recently, you guys know that I believe that right now she is with Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? She has life with him, but she doesn't have resurrection life yet the way that she will someday when Jesus returns and does once and for all set all things right and really like consummates the victory that he already won at the cross then she will receive a new body, just like Jesus has a new body, with a new kind of physicality, and, and will live forever in that new body. And that is what is promised to all of us in him, not just some kind of floaty soul existence. Yeah. And this goes back to, because this was before the podcast that we had a quick conversation about this, wasn't it? So, mm-hmm. or no, well, I said earlier in the podcast about we want, extra biblical books and and heaven being one of those and trying to figure out exactly what it's going to look like and what will life, you know, life after death or life after life after death, as you were just saying, what will that actually look like? And, and I just, even, even when you have these extra biblical accounts of people, you know, near death experiences or whatever, they're, that's not, that's not even holistic, even to the point, even, even if you acknowledge or even if you say all of that is exactly true and exactly what has happened, like even if you conceded that, it's still like such a drop in the bucket. And Jesus said way more incredible things and demonstrated way more incredible things than even the the craziest of those stories. Because just what you said there, I mean, he physically, he resurrected. So if you wonder like, well, what's that going to be like? Well, look at him. 
he's right there. And like you said, he, it's it's physical, but it's like it's like fourth dimensional physical. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a higher it's a higher plane or something. I, I don't, we don't really have the best we don't words. Know. We don't even have the words for it. But so I tend to rather than trying to figure out all the details, I I try to go to what I know about it and. And there are some things we know theologically and we can piece together that are just amazing. So one, like you said, it's physical. So we will be physical beings and we will eat and enjoy, you know, it's like we're, we will basically be able to enjoy all the gifts that God has given us in creation and in with one another, but without any obstacles of sin and brokenness. And, and so there's that, which is pretty incredible. But then to know you'll never exhaust everything. So it would be like if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever gone on vacation. This is such a dumb illustration, and it's probably a so short. So, yeah. But if you've ever gone to vacation at a place where um, you're excited to go and you go and you're going to be there for like five days, and after the first or second day, you've kind of exhausted everything that's there. And you're kind of like, oh, I guess we could go to the pool again. Yeah, you've done all the stuff. We've done all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like, okay, now, well, I'll just hang out and keep doing the same thing over and over again. And at some point, you start to feel like, I kind of want to go home. Like, I kinda, like I'm, I'm ready to go home. I feel like I've experienced everything. Versus if you've ever had an experience where you've gone somewhere and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I could have spent another three weeks here. I don't know. I, I didn't get to go try everything I wanted to try or see everything I wanted to see. And you see that sometimes when people say, oh, how many how many days do you need to do New York City? Or how many days do you need to spend in the Rocky Mountains or whatever? And there will be people who will be like, man, well, if you only have one day, do this. But you could be there for weeks and still not do everything. Well, heaven is that amplified to infinity. So it's the opposite of the, I think a lot of times what people get in their mind is, oh yeah, that'll be great to not have the pressures of the world or the pain of the world. But I think a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people articulate, it sounds boring. Like at some point, aren't you going to get up and go, oh man, I, well, I've done everything. Mm -hmm. I saw Jesus again, hung out with Paul. It's Groundhog's Day. It's like Groundhog's Day. (laughs) But it's not. It's much more. It's like the place that you can't ever, where you're just constantly, every day is new, um, new mercies, like new enjoyment, like new gifts, new sides of Jesus and sides of like God, of worshiping God that you didn't experience the day before and you didn't know. Um, inexhaustibly, like for all eternity, ever increasing, never never exhausted like it just inexhaustible and we just how do you even how do you have a frame of reference for being somewhere that you end every day saying i don't know how anything could get better than that that was like the best you'd have to say you get bored with every day being the best day of your life yeah with with constant wonder and delight yeah yeah not even (laughs) knowing how tomorrow is going to be better but going to bed every day and i think we'll go to bed like i think we'll just like i think all the things will happen and just going, ending each day saying, I can't believe that today topped yesterday. And I know tomorrow is going to top today, but I have no idea how. Yeah. We will, we will, we will surely not be bored. 
And I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons I thought it's important that we talk about it and think about it because of the floaty existence, the conception of some sort of like you're in the clouds and non-physical. Right. I do think that that does sound pretty boring, actually. It sounds like, what are you actually doing with yourself? But but when you look at Jesus's life and today, one of the readings for today on the church calendar is from Acts chapter two, which I'd recommend uh, people read it. It's Peter's first sermon in Acts about Jesus and him pouring out the Holy Spirit, actually a Pentecost sermon. Um, the idea that that we will be bored w- would never enter the framework because we have the eternal kind of life we were always meant to have. And to me, that also underscores that that evil and Satan did not actually win the day. So if we didn't, if if the resurrection did not include physicality of some kind, that means that what what happened with sin and rebellion and evil actually did permanently alter God's intention for humanity because he made us with bodies. And this this shows that actually evil has not won the day. God has redeemed it. And when he redeems it, it, it's even better than it would have been. And we've been talking about that a lot through the Sermon on the Mount as well, that when he redeems things, they're better than you could have imagined them being in the first place. Right, that's the resur- like when we talk about pain being resurrected as joy, that the joy in the resurrection is greater than what it would have been with the absence of that pain. And it's not that's not we try to make that into worldly philosophies of like well you don't know, you don't truly appreciate sunshine without the rainy days. It's way deeper than that. It's just somehow this thing that was produced is so much better for what it went through. I mean, it, we we have examples of that that are actually, I think, better illustrations. I've never loved the whole, like, you don't appreciate the sunny days without the rain. Um, I don't know. I lived in Colorado. Didn't really have any rain. <laughs> sure appreciated the sunny days still. Didn't really. Um, but I understand the sentiment. But I think it's more like you that you are healthier, um, physically healthier, going through the pain of, you know, working out, exercising than you would if you just avoided that and, and sat, sat around. Like you, you'd have the appearance of health, but there's actually a better, there's a better life on the other side of this. And so I think like to realize, no, this is actually producing something. This is, this is turning into something even better than what my state was before. And we don't fully understand that at all, but I do think I think it's really critical to be to be reminded that as you're talking about this resurrection, like, well, one of the ways that we live that out is to be reminded that all that that we're talking about in heaven, this ever increasing joy and all that, that is actually through the spirit, what is available to us right now. The reason that we struggle to see it is because of the brokenness around us. Like if you are, but the, I mean, but the ability to be that person to experience glimpses and tastes of that here and now in the midst of the chaos of a, of a broken world that is, that is groaning a creation that is longing and groaning, waiting for the resurrection, waiting for the return of Jesus and still being in the midst of sin around us and, and battling in us. Um, we, he, he's offering this, this is this incredible thing that we have that he tells us about that, that we can imagine and think about and we can live in light of that and then realize like he gives us 
the ability to glimpse that and taste that now because of his kindness. You think about that. It's just like his kindness that he lets us have that all along the way. Um, and that's the power that we can walk in now rather than, so we don't get into a situation where we're just waiting like, well, someday this will get all figured out, but it's a mu- it's a mess right now. And so I'm just, mm-hmm. I'll just be bummed about right now, but someday I'll be really excited about when that day comes. Um, but then remembering eternity and remembering what we're building towards allows us, keeps us from just thinking that today is all we have. And like, that's the tension, right? For the Christian life is to, is to, is to walk in that tension of the already not yet kingdom so that in light of what is coming, we can enjoy what is here. And that protects us both from overemphasizing what is to come and thinking like today doesn't matter or overvaluing today because we are like, well, I don't even want to think about that because I, I can't, I don't even know what's coming. So I'm just not going to worry about that. And I'm just going to think about today that neither like those are two ditches that we fall into. They are. And it's interesting how the resurrection is such a world changing thing that it goes in both directions, right? It's future. And then it, it reinterprets even the past as well. Yes. Um, But I love that you're saying, you know, our present is very different as well. It's, What's possible is so different. Right, what's possible. And and this is the thing. Remember when Paul says that about the resurrection, he's talking to like probably historical Sadducees who, you know, have come into the church that there are people, there are people in the church who are basically saying, well, I don't, I mean, the resurrection basically is bonus. Like they either don't believe that that actually happened or... Uh, and and you see this today. So so what we know is, you know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And we can look at that sometimes and say, well, gosh, how did you not how did you not believe in that? But functionally, in the American church, many in the church live as though the resurrection is like, well, I mean, that'd be great, but but we don't really live in light of it because we we, we think like that feels like the mythical part of our faith. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we keep it and remember like the Sadducees were in that realm, they, they were not, the Pharisees were really about keeping the law and keeping the purity of the law and the purity of God's people. The Sadducees were much more like, Hey, let's, let's figure out a way to kind of connect and, and coexist with the Roman government. And, and we can, let's mesh this thing, mesh this in a little bit more. Well, then it stands to reason why resurrection of the dead would be the first thing to go. Because if what I'm trying to do is, is let the world know that, Hey, we're not crazy over here. Like we're, we're just trying to be good people, good citizens follow these teachings. And that actually makes us really great, great citizens. And well, that's, that's denying actually the power of our faith. And so we have to be okay with the fact that we have to make sure that we're not, that we're not trying to do that. And I see a lot of efforts in the church to do that, of trying to make peace between the gospel and the world. And it's just not going to happen because at the end of the day, like as, as, as sensible as you want to seem to somebody at the end of the day, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that because of that, you are going to be raised from the dead, which is what makes Everything here, you believe that all of this is going to be resurrected, so that allows me to walk through with with peace even in the midst of chaos. It allows me to love people who don't love me back. All of those things, because I believe in the resurrection, 
and I get to experience the power of that today, that just makes you weird. Like that's not a that's not able to be reconciled with how the world views things at all. Yeah, there's there's no way to make that normal. No, there's not. It's not. It's an extraordinary claim and it's not one that even at the time they would have been, well, yeah, of course he rose from the dead. That's what people do. People rise from the dead all the time. That wasn't normal then either. No. Uh, and you re- it's interesting how you, when you read the very end of the Gospels, how the, immediately the conspiracy theories started about what actually happened, right? That, that the, the soldiers you know, were paid and, and, to, and to claim that actually the disciples stole the body. Right, because what had happened was was so radical and so, I mean, really extreme, that someone would actually rise like that after three days in the grave. Which demonstrates, by the way, how clear Jesus was that that's what he was going to do. Yes. So the Roman government looking at that and saying, "Holy cow, we cannot have that spreading at all." So we gotta, we gotta do something about this. You need to tell. You need to say that the disciples stole the, the body of Jesus. Yeah, which was instant and immediate. It was instant, immediate because of how. Yeah. And and it, obviously Jesus, the life of Christ, his very life could not be contained. It could not be held back. And we're here today as evidence of that. We're experiencing his resurrection life and we fully believe it. And I would encourage people too, a, a great chapter to read this week and the coming weeks is 1 Corinthians 15. It's a really long chapter, yeah, but it's amazing. And the implications of the resurrection are throughout it. And Paul even goes into well, did he rise or not? Addressing people who maybe didn't quite believe that there was right. a resurrection, like Jay was saying. Or didn't see the importance. It felt like, again, it was bonus. Yeah. I think there there are people who might, that's a unique portion of the American church right now. People who would say, I don't believe in the resurrection. There is a sect of Christianity. I wouldn't call it Christianity. I don't, it's like Christian philosophy, you know, unit universal like unitarianism kind of stuff where you just say like yeah we just don't we just don't believe in the resurrection okay well then that's not christianity like we just got to be clear about that um but i'm saying practically speaking many of us functionally function as though the resurrection isn't real and which by the way and i know we need to wrap up but i the that evidence when you talk about that i remember when i was younger hearing um those theories and thinking like, yeah, well, what if the Roman government took his body? That's one of the conspiracy theories. The Roman government took it so that the disciples couldn't steal it and make these claims. Well, if that was the case, the Roman government would have presented, like as soon as all this uprising has happened, they wanted peace. And so once this uprising, these rumors are spreading, they would have, they would have, they would have no issue presenting his body and saying, Hey, they don't care about dead body. Like they, that none of that would have bothered them. They would have said, here's your, Here's your king. He is not risen. Look at him. He's right here. And then if the disciples had taken his body, um, you know, forget about what a feat that would have been when it's being guarded and you have this giant stone. Like that in and of itself would have been a feat. But um, but then you'd have to you'd have to answer the question, why did so many of those disciples um go to such extreme deaths like they they followed him in really extreme martyrdom and you'd have to get to a place where you are reconciling that it would be one thing if they did it and then they went and lived in the lap of luxury and made money off of it and then died these peaceful deaths when they're 90 
living in wealth, you could say like, okay, yeah, that totally could have been a, but they didn't. No, They were in total poverty in and out of prison. And eventually all of them, other than John that we know of killed in really horrifying ways, claiming the entire time Jesus rose from the dead. Like you have to be pretty convinced of that to go to that. Um, and then, as Paul mentions in First Corinthians and other places, like Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds of people, and even points out, you can go ask him. There are hundreds of people that saw Jesus, and they're still around. Go talk to them. And I think, like all of those things, just are their evidences. And and the thing about evidence that I would just finish with that, with this, as far as like living in it. And I don't think this is a great place to end the podcast because we should have been ending it on living in the power of the resurrection, but. We're now going to the evidences. But one thing is to be reminded that um, it takes the Holy Spirit to believe and understand any of this. So it does bother me when we as Christians say what I just said there and say, well, see, so you'd have to be a fool to not believe that. Like just lay those things out and then someone's going to intellectually say, oh, you know what? You're right. I think it is most likely that Jesus rose from the dead. No, that's not how it works for people, that's not how it worked for you no. or for me. The those kinds of evidences are meant to encourage the heart of faith, the heart that has already been awakened by the Holy Spirit to see what is good and beautiful about the gospel. And then, as the enemy tries to like cast doubt in you, the heart of faith is able to hear evidences like that to say, "Yeah, that's right." Like there's he really did raise from the dead because God is kind and he gives us those evidences, but they are not, no one has ever intellectually been convinced by the gospel and been saved. Yeah. It's It's not possible. It's not. And so that should breed in us like understanding and, and hopefully like sometimes what can creep in is some self-righteousness of like, well, I saw this. Why can't you like, you're just stubborn. And yeah, all of us are until God awakens our hearts. And so our response to that should not be to our non-believing family member or neighbor should not be, well, here's all the evidences of the resurrection and you're just a fool if you don't see this. That should not be our heart at all. Our heart should be to cry out to God, God, awaken their heart and open their eyes like you did mine. Because without the Holy Spirit, I would also look at all of this and say, well, no, I, 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 it had to be something else because I can't believe this. It's only in the spirit that we're able to believe. And so it should really put us in a position of humility and crying out on behalf of people we love who um, don't know Jesus and not making it about like, you know, a court case or evidence or anything like that. Yeah. And, and it also means that we don't believe we're just smarter or we're better. That's why it's the opposite. It's the mercy of God. Uh, that's why yes. we are able to believe it's because of his love and his grace in calling us to himself. And yeah, like you said, he can use all these things, but these are not the, the factor. Um, it's actually his spirit being poured out upon us. That is the factor, um, that we come to him. Which is why it is important to talk about those things because I have heard many people who, as the spirit was awakening their hearts, that they've clung to something that all of a sudden has made sense to them. But the reason it all of a sudden makes sense to them is not the intellectual exercise of finally arriving at that conclusion. It is the spirit awakening our hearts. And that 
power is the power of the resurrection. It's the power that empowers us to live differently, to live new lives that don't look like our old lives in the flesh. And when we talk about functionally living as like that we don't believe in the resurrection, that comes up all the time when we don't believe that we can change. We don't believe that we can, that other people can change, but that is the nature of the spirit. That is the nature of the resurrection is being raised to walk a new life. And so kind of going full circle to what you were asking about of, can we, what does it look like to kind of linger in it? I think it is just lingering in the, like you had said that the potential, the reality that, Jesus rose from the dead. And when he rises from the dead, then we know everything he said is true, which includes that he has given us the same spirit that dwells in him, that we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we are raised to walk in newness of life. We are able to be the body of Christ together and live differently. And that should defeat so much of what drags us down in in day-to-day life, to just be reminded of, well, if if the Holy Spirit can raise people from the dead, then I'm pretty sure he can change my heart and empower me to live differently. And that should fill us with hope and optimism rather than guilt or, you know, lingering rather than lingering in the death and in our confession and sin and just lingering there, lingering in the resurrection and say, okay, but it's, through that confession that I lay hold of this and can be different. Life is totally different. And church, we we want to linger in that with you. So if you're hearing this and, and you want to do that together, if you want help doing that, more passages to look at or or things to be praying, we would love to help reach out. We love to do that with people. Really, like you said, Jay, our whole life now is the resurrection. It's not just Easter Sunday, right? And it's not even just every Sunday we worship. It's all the time. And it's what we love to do as a church more than anything is explore what does that look like now and what are the implications of that now for the places we live and linger every day because it changes those places too. Jay, thanks for letting me be co-host with you today. You did great. Thanks. It's great to have you more than joining me. (laughs) Hopefully this has been helpful to everyone. Um... You know how to get a hold of us. Connect at faithpestigo.com or talk to us on a Sunday or give us a call. Um, Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace. Peace.